Well, good morning and welcome to Bridgewater. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are so excited that you are here with us today. And uh, today, we are going to be in a book called The Song of Songs, okay, or The Song of Solomon. And before we get into that, what you need to know is that this is more like a drama than it is a book of the Bible. And if you've ever read a script or a play or even a book, you know there's a big difference between reading the book or reading the script and watching the play or watching the movie, right? There's different actors and characters. They have different parts, and they kind of go back and forth with each other. And so because we have different readers, I want you to get a picture of what that looks like. And in order to do that, I'm going to need some readers to help me out today. So uh, let's see. Jay Miner, can you come up up here, buddy? Uh, Dan Howard, can you come up here? No one's moving. Come on. Jay, come on up. Dan, come on up. Reed, come on up. See that hand? You, you nice guys can stand over here by this keyboard. Uh, let's see. Stan Baker. Where's Stan Baker? I was just trying to drink a cup of coffee. Stand next to Dan over there, coffee man. All right. Stan will come on up. All right. So in ancient works, there is always a chorus. Stan, you've been summoned. Uh, there's always a chorus, and in this book, the chorus is the harem, all right? The harem. It's not a good thing. <laughs> no, 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 come on up here, all right? So uh, each of you will have a part. It is highlighted for you to read. I need you to read loudly and together, and you will be united in this. we got a microphone and everything. Perfect. Work smart, not hard. (laughs) This is a beautiful harem. All right, next reader, uh, Dawn Pitcher. Can you come up here, please? Let's see. Dawn Pitcher. You'll be right here, front and center. Whoa, that's top heavy. Here we go. Maybe. You <laughs> There we go. All right. You will play the role of the male lover. What's wrong with you? <laughs> All right. And then uh, we also need Keith. Keith, come on up here, buddy. It's getting prettier and prettier by the minute, isn't it? Where's Keith? <laughs> Keith, you will play the role of the beautiful Shulamite girl. <laughs> All right, now, just to better identify our lovely group, you get one for your wrist. There you go. All right, that's for you. All right. So what we have going on here is... We don't usually do this on Sundays. If you're new here, we, this is not something we usually That's do. not on your part. I'm, I'm the narrator. All right, so what we have here in the book of Song of Songs is 
The lovely Shulamite girl has been brought away from her country home. She's now in the palace working under the King Solomon. And the, the harem is saying, come work with us. Come be a part of us. Like, we're all decked out. We have pretty Hawaiian lays and jewelry and gold and silver. And the, the boyfriend is saying, no, 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 no. Come back with me. Come back with me, all right? Now, I will play the role of the narrator, i.e. getting out of this. I will speak my part, and then we will go right into the Shulamite girl, all right? Read your parts nice and loud for everybody to hear. All right. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Let me kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Because of the fragrance of your good perfumes, your name is like perfume poured forth. Therefore, the virgins love you. Take me away from here. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in you. We will remember your love more than our Rightly, <laughs> Rightly do they love you. I am dark but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not look upon me because I am dark, because the sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I had kept, not kept. Tell me, oh you whom I love, where you feed your flock, where you make it rest at noon. For why should I be as one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions? liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. Your cheeks are covered with ornaments, your neck with chains of gold. Yes, we will make you ornaments of gold and silver studs. While the king is at his table, my spikener sends forth its fragrance. fragrance. A bundle of myrrh is my beloved to me that lies all night between my breasts. My, my beloved is to me a cluster of henna blooms in the vineyards of Engi. Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes. <laughs> Behold, you are handsome, my beloved. Yes, pleasant. Also, our bed is green. I like green. The beams of our houses are cedar, and our rafters are fir, and the rose of Sharon, and the lily of the valleys. Like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Awesome. Good job. Give them up for our readers. All right, you can be seated. Thank you. Good job. <laughs> All right. So we have this interesting thing going on here between the Shulamite girl and her 
boyfriend, her fiance, her lover, whatever. And this harem is trying to pull her in, trying to entice uh, this girl. And they're saying, like, look, come be with us. Like, we are so beautiful. We're all decked out. And the lover is like, yeah, you're kind of like a decorated horse with ornaments and gold and jewelry. And, And they're like, yeah, we love jewelry. We love ornaments. And the lover is like, but I don't really like that. And she is trying to figure out, where do I go? Do I, do I stay in the palace? Do I be a part of this harem? Or do I go and pursue my fiancé who is still back home off in the country? And so that's where we pick up Song of Songs, chapter 2. And I will read verse 14. This is the, the role of the male lover. All right. My dove is hiding behind the rocks, behind an outcrop of the cliff. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is pleasant and your face is lovely. Then verse 15. Now we're not exactly sure who's saying this, but we do know that this is the advice to the couple. Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. So that's the advice. And and she's They're not saying go literally catch actual foxes, but there's these metaphorical, figurative foxes. They represent the problems and the issues and the temptations and the difficulties and and the obstacles that you see in your relationship. That if you just let them sprout up and you just let them do their thing, they're like little foxes that, that dig holes and they ruin your garden, they ruin your, your vineyard, all of your crops, and maybe not overnight, but after weeks and weeks and weeks of just letting those foxes do their work in, their, in that relationship, you let all of those obstacles, all of those problems just do whatever they do, and they are going to ruin your relationship. They're going to ruin your marriage because you didn't take care of those things. And the, the advice is take care of them. Take care of them before they ruin your entire relationship. And the reality is, you and I all kind of know what this is like, right? We have these little things that happen to just kind of sprout up in our relationship. And it might not be something much at first, but maybe it's just a snarky comment. It's, it's a sarcastic, sarcastic comment, and it's just no big deal. We're dating, and, and they're kind of being funny, and it's just kind of how they act with me. But after a while, that just keeps adding up. Or maybe it's just the mistrust, right? It's just one thing, not a big deal. But then after years and years of a lack of trust, that begins to build up. Or it's jealousy in that relationship. And after a while, they're jealous of every single thing that comes into your life. They're, they're jealous of every single person or every, every use of your time. And over a while, it begins to build up. Or it's, it's selfishness. They are selfish or they are filled with pride. Or it's this unforgiving attitude. It's, it's this unwillingness to ask for forgiveness. It's this unwillingness to grant forgiveness. It's this uh, attitude of, I didn't really do anything wrong. I'm not going to own my own faults. Or maybe it's just unmet expectations within the marriage. It's unmet expectations within the relationship. I thought the relationship was going to be this way. I thought the marriage was going to be this way. Or maybe it's, uh, we can't agree on how to raise our kids or how to discipline our kids. And, And after a while, it just begins to divide us. 
or maybe it's, it's lying. It's not necessarily a big fat lie, but it's a, it's a little lie, right? But it, it's lies that kind of seem harmless, right? It's like, I, I don't really remember, or I don't really know, when in fact you do remember, or you do know, and all of the time this is going on, this begins to build up. It's these little things, or, or maybe it's not believing the best. It's assuming the worst, and it's not just one time, but it's over and over again. These begin to, to settle in. Or, speaking of settling in, in your relationship, you've settled in. You kind of go on autopilot and you settle in. Or maybe it's even the kids, right? You begin to prioritize the kids in your relationship over everything else. And after a while, it's these little things. It's these foxes, it's these obstacles, it's these problems, it's these trials, it's these temptations. Not one of them is necessarily really, really big. But what the author of Song of Songs is saying is that these little things, they begin to make a big difference over time. They begin to stack up, they begin to compound each other over time. Sort of like interest begins to grow. If you gave out a mortgage... You were the lender, and you said, okay, you need to take out some money. I'm going to borrow. I'm going to lend out some money. You can borrow it. It's going to be this percentage. And over time, over one year, it's not a big deal. Over two years, it's not a big deal. But over a 30-year mortgage, 10% interest is in a crazy amount of money. And maybe for you, you're sitting here, and you're like, it really wasn't one little thing, Tim. It was, it was this one big thing that just blew up my marriage, Maybe it wasn't your marriage, but it was a friend's marriage. You saw it go completely sideways. It was something really big, catastrophic, like adultery. But I would tell you, even that started with little things. It was something really small, like a text message or a, a DM, or you just happened to stop by their desk and ask them how they're doing and they're fine, and then next thing you know, you're talking about work, and you're talking about a work project, so you kind of have lunch together in the office, so you can talk about work, but now you're not necessarily talking about work anymore, you're talking about life, and now you're not having lunch in the lunch conference room, you guys are going out for lunch, and before you know it, you're picking up coffee, and now you're not... You're not just picking up coffee, you're having to stay late because you got to work on a project and you know that they have to work on a project so you stay late, they're staying late and all of a sudden your marriage is growing apart and that relationship is growing even closer together but it's just little things, right? And before you know it, that whole relationship has blown up and it was a big thing but it started with all of those little things. And so through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Solomon is writing down this, the song of all songs, this, this drama, and he is, he's really the narrator, I believe. He's not shown in a good light, but as he's recording this, this advice is given. Catch all the foxes. Take care of them. Because if we let those problems those trials, those obstacles, those difficulties begin to sprout out and we don't take care of them, they will absolutely ruin our relationship. It doesn't matter who you are or what your background is, what family you came from. If you let that go over time, it will absolutely destroy you. 
And so if you want your relationship to flourish, you have to be proactive. Just, just like there are little things that will destroy your relationship, there are little things that you and I can begin to do that can build and breathe life into that relationship. All the little things that we didn't do, we can do the opposite, right? We can be proactive about those things. We can spend time with our spouse. We can begin to take the initiative and say, you know what? I'm going to own my sin. I'm going to own what I did. That was on me. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Or you find yourself being pulled into another relationship, right? Somebody is starting to show you more affection. You can be proactive. Send that preemptive strike to a friend. Get on your phone and text them. Be like, hey, this is what's happening. This is what I'm feeling. This person is starting to show me attention. Will you pray for me? Would you ask me how I'm doing? You, you and I, we take that preemptive strike. We make sure we go after those boxes because we need to attack the little things. Attack all the little things that can hurt, not just hurt, but absolutely destroy your relationship. And so as we look at this, this young Shulamite girl is being pulled into the direction. It it seems and feels attractive. Gold, silver, ornaments. You're going to live in the palace. You're going to be under the king. You're going to be with the king. It's going to be so amazing. The world is pulling you in one way. And the advice is, you better watch out. You better pay attention because all those little things, they add up over time. It looks small. It looks insignificant right now. Hardly even noticeable. But over time, it will eat away and destroy your marriage. Now, we need to attack those little things. But even even that, even that is not the silver bullet. This is not the quick fix to your relationship. I'm not selling a quick fix, a a secret code that if you do this today, I will guarantee your marriage will be smooth sailing for the rest of your life. I'm not selling that today because there is no quick fix for your marriage. There's no quick fix for your relationship. There's no quick fix for any relationship. It is hard work. And many of you, I know you are dissatisfied with your relationship. You find yourself in a marriage and it has gone sour It is tough. Listen to what Gary Thomas writes. Gary Thomas writes, I believe that much of the dissatisfaction we experience in marriage comes from expecting too much from it. He says, I have a rather outdated computer, a 486. Bless his heart. I'm glad my church has not given me a 486. I don't know what that is. So I know there are some things I simply can't do with it. There's just not enough memory or processing power to run certain programs or combine certain tasks. He writes, it's not that I have a bad computer. It's just that I can't reasonably expect more from it than it has the power to give. In the same way, some of us, we ask too much of marriage. We try to get the largest part of life's fulfillment from our relationship with our spouse. That's asking too much. And what Gary Thomas is getting at is that you and I, we look towards our marriage, we look towards our spouse, and we're hoping, we're hoping that our marriage, that our spouse will bring us the ultimate fulfillment. 
And that if this relationship was completely restored, if it was how I envisioned it, if it was how I dreamed, if this person would just do more, if they would just do better, then my life would be so much better. And listen, if you're looking for your spouse to fill up your cup, you're looking to the wrong person. Because, ladies, your husband has a leaky bucket, okay? His bucket is filled with holes. And if you ladies are looking for your husband to fill up your bucket, it's not going to bring the fulfillment you're hoping for. Guys, your wives have a leaky bucket. If you're looking for your wives to fill up, to continually fill up your cup and be completely fulfilled, you're looking to the wrong person. You're looking to the wrong thing. It's only God who can fill you up. It's only God who can really fulfill you and satisfy you. So I'm not here offering a quick fix. And so what Gary Thomas is getting at is sometimes we, we ask too much. We think if my spouse would just do more, if they would just do better, then everything would just be better and I would be satisfied, I would be fulfilled. But instead of looking for a quick fix, I think we need to learn how to love. We really need to learn how to love our spouse. Whether you're married or you're, you're dating somebody or you're engaged or you're single, we have to be a people who really learns how to love. Not fall in love because you fall in love and fall out of love just like you step in or step out of something in your backyard. Choose, purposely choose to learn how to love. And so we're going to have to make some choices. So let's go to 2 Timothy 3, right? Because we have some choices to make today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul's writing this letter to a young pastor named Timothy. And he says, you should know this, Timothy. That in the last days, there will be very difficult times. For people, let me explain. For people will love only themselves. And, and they will love their money. And they will be boastful and proud. They will be scoffing at God. They'll be disobedient to their parents. They'll be ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. And he's saying the reason everything has gone sideways is because they love themselves too much. The reason everything has gone sideways is because they love their money too much. They are self-centered, self-focused, looking at themselves, being a narcissist, loving just themselves. Look how beautiful I am. Look how amazing I am. I've got to seek after what I want, what I need. This is all about me, right? Gary Thomas addresses that. You're looking for this marriage to fill up your cup. You're looking for your spouse to fill up your cup. But the world says, who can love me? How can you show me more affection? But love is all about what can I give? How can I love somebody? And so how do I know if I'm a lover of self? Well, if you're a lover of self before you make a decision, what kind of questions do you ask? Do you ask questions, okay, what's in it for me? I'm about to get a new car. I'm about to get a new truck. I'm about to get a new Jeep. What's in it for me? I'm about to take a new job. I'm going to take that promotion. What's in it for me? Because the self-focused person says, what, what am I going to get out of this? I'm about to buy this house. What am I going to get out of it? 
Or do you ask questions, okay, how will this impact others? How will this impact my family? How will this impact my spouse? The self-focused person says, okay, I'm going I'm to sacrifice, but I'm going to expect something in return. Is that what you do? Do you love, do you give expecting to get something back? Or are you more concerned with what's happening in other people's lives? Are you the kind of person that looks at everybody else's failures and sins and faults and go, look at them, look at them, how are they doing? Oh, man, they dropped the ball, they lost it there. Or do you look inward and go, okay, here's where I've failed. Here's where I have fallen short. If you want to improve your marriage, the first thing you need to do is choose to love your spouse. Choose to love your spouse by giving rather than taking. That's biblical love. Biblical love is giving, giving for the needs of somebody else, not taking. It's giving to the needs of another, expecting nothing in return. This is what we see in the Bible. Paul writes a letter to the church of Ephesus, and he gives instructions to husbands, Ephesians 5.25. And he says, husbands, pay attention. Men, pay attention. Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. He didn't remember her birthday. He didn't buy her flowers. Although, guys, that's good things to do. But he loved and gave. We see something similar in Galatians chapter 2. Paul says this. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It says this in John 3, 16. You're familiar with this. For this is how God loved the world. He gave. Love gave. Love gave. This is a theme in the Bible. If you want to be a person who is a lover, it requires you to give. Don't wait for your feelings. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about the warm fuzzies you hope to experience. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about being led by your feelings. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about being fulfilled by your feelings. Love is all about giving. Now, what if you are in a place in your relationship and you're like, I don't feel like working on it anymore, Tim. I feel like cashing in and being done. Here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6. He says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. And so if Jesus says, I should do that for my enemies, how much more should I do that for my spouse? Who may or may not be your enemy? But if I should love the people who hate me, if I should love the people who despise me, who want to ruin me, who want to kill me, and I should do good to them, and I should lend to my enemy without expecting anything, without expecting to be repaid, how much more should I do that for my wife and my kids? You and I, we need to choose to love by obeying God's commands rather than being led by our feelings. Right? Nowhere do we see in God's word that our feelings are something we should be led by 
or lived by or ruled by. And so if you really want to change your marriage, you must choose to love your spouse by obeying God's commands rather than being led by your feelings. I know for some of you, the feelings are long gone. You no longer feel like you're in love anymore. And I would say, I'm, I'm sorry. That saddens me. And here's what I believe to be true, that if you choose to love your spouse and you continue to work on loving your spouse, obey that and the feelings will follow. If you wait for the feelings to arrive to begin to obey God, you'll be waiting for a long time. But those feelings can come back. But it starts by doing the right thing. It starts by choosing to love. And loving is giving. And so don't be ruled by your feelings. Don't be led by your feelings. Don't wait to be fulfilled by those feelings. But really choose to follow and obey what God says. And so here's a takeaway for you. You should do a weekly check-in. Here's some questions. If you're married, you should ask yourself these questions, or you should ask your spouse, spouse these questions. Am I laying my life down for him or her? This week, am I laying my life down for my husband? Am I laying my life down for my wife? This week, you should ask your spouse, how do you feel loved this week? How did you feel loved this week? Third, you should ask, how can I pray for you this week? And then actually pray for them. And follow up with them. But this is just a way that you can begin to implement some of this in your own relationship. No matter where you are in your marriage, you should be doing some sort of weekly check-in. It doesn't have to be these questions. It doesn't even have to be weekly. It could be daily. But at some point, you need to sit down on a regular basis and talk with your spouse and find out what's happening in their lives, not just be so concerned about sharing what's happening in your life. Because the book of Song of Solomon is right. We do need to catch all of those foxes. But we also need to choose to love our spouse. Let me pray with you. God, I know that was a lot that we just unpacked in a really short amount of time. And uh, I know that there's a lot of relationships here that are struggling and they're going through difficulties, and I just ask that you would help us, that um, it's always my desire that you would use your word to change our hearts. It's always my desire that your, your Holy Spirit would come in and just radically breathe new life into these relationships. But I know there's a responsibility on our part. I know there's something that we have to do. Would you help us this week to catch those foxes? Would you help us this week to purposely love the people around us and expect nothing back in return? Pray that your grace and your mercy would cover these relationships, cover these marriages, and that we would give you the glory. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.